Well, it is a pleasure to be with you on a Sunday night here on 760 WJR. So many things uh, going on uh, to our esteemed producer, Nick Roddy. This is the first time I have hosted Sports Wrap in 22 years. Wow. Yeah, 22 years, almost 22 years to the date, as a matter of fact. It's amazing how that works out, of course. What was going uh, on back then? You weren't born, as as you well know. Uh, you were you were not yet born. Um, you know what? We were looking ahead to the Lions season, and um, some running back retired uh, that summer. Mm. Yeah, some whatever happened to that I guy. The name. Yeah, uh, Barry retired. So yeah, it, it's it's weird. Um, more things change the more they stay the same. We've got some teams around here that are trying to head in the right direction. Uh, we will get into that as well. Obviously want to talk to you about what a big difference it is now. June 8th is a date that a lot of people have circled on their calendar. Why the tigers announced that they have full capacity coming back. Is that going to make you want to go see a game? Have you been going to see games anyway? Look, I know they're struggling. Tough, tough loss today against Kansas City, but still Tiger baseball. And I love Comerica Park. I really do. More on that later. Obviously, some history right now uh, at the PGA. Uh, look, point blank, I'm rooting, I'm rooting for Phil, and I'm rooting hard for Phil. Uh, waving the banner for we 50-year-olds. He is four days older than me. So, uh, yeah, I'm rooting hard for the guy, and he's just a few holes away down in South Carolina from becoming the oldest to win a major, the oldest to win a major, something called Julius Boros. <laughs> Are you familiar with his work, uh, Nick? I actually had to do some research on Julius Boros. In 1968. Yes. So if one... I wasn't born last time you hosted sports rap, then I wasn't going to be born then. I wasn't even born the last time that happened. You know, I tell I tell the boys on um, Spin on Golf all the time, and, and we'll check in with them in a little bit. As Spin on Golf is here on seven sixty WJR from uh, seven to eight. Nick, I remember on a beautiful Sunday afternoon in Metro Detroit, watching in amazement when Jack Nicholas made that charge at Augusta uh, back in April of nineteen eighty six, and I was fifteen years old. And I, honest to goodness, I remember thinking, oh, my gosh, 46? That is ancient. Well, I've long since blown by age 46, as fate would have it. But at the end of the day, uh, Phil really showing that uh, people can still get the job done. Uh, look, he's got to finish. There's no doubt about that. He's got a good bump right now, but he is looking for his sixth major victory and 45th tour victory overall. It is absolutely amazing. I, you know, Nick, I don't know about you. I, I, I've been checking in all weekend. I always use this analogy for sports. Uh, it's a plate, right? And you, you put on a helping of the Tigers on the plate. And you put on a helping of the Stanley Cup playoffs in the, uh, on the plate. Uh, in the case of somebody like me, uh, I, I have triple portions of the Stanley Cup playoffs. I love the game of hockey. I don't understand how humans don't love it. Uh, so I've been all in on that. And then you take a little NBA, you take a little PGA, whatever the case may be, you do things like that. But 
I have been watching a lot of PGA uh, this weekend because, uh, again, what we are all accustomed to are some of these guys that are getting up there in year, maybe making a, a nice little run. But by the time Saturday rolls around, they, they start to fade back a little bit. Um, you've seen that time and time and time again out of, out of golfers uh, in the past 20, 25 years. And Phil didn't go anywhere. And, and it's, it's, it's such a great story to me. Yeah, we can talk about the age and all that. And it's, it's personal for a guy like me. I mean, there's no doubt about that. But uh, as we sit right now, the very latest, Phil is at six under. He's got a three-shot lead uh, through 14. So, look, I, I'm not even going to bring up the point about epic collapse I think I just did, but it would be just that if, if he can't hang on. Let's wait and see how that plays itself out. Obviously, one of the stories of the day, though, is the news. And look, I think we all knew it was coming. Um, that's the one thing about this COVID era. Whether you're in this crazy business or not, uh, you start to hear from people. And, and a couple of weeks ago, uh, I had somebody tell me that that uh, okay, they're they're going to open up Comerica Park. What we didn't expect, and what I wasn't told, was that it was going to be full capacity. Uh, I I was told a couple different numbers, but it was going to be coming on on June 8th. Have you guys been down to the park? I went down a couple weeks back with my son. We went on a Wednesday night game, and uh, if you've heard me over the years, we had. Um, a different season p ticket package, my goodness, from, I think we got it in 2004 or 2005. And, and then when he went away to college, uh, I decided uh, not to renew because I, I just wasn't going to be going down as much with him uh, living in the Chicago area. And besides, he goes to Cubs games all the time now. But um, I missed going down to the park and his fate would have it. My son was home uh, for a few days. And one of the days that he was home, uh, the Royals were in town and I said, Hey, do you want to go down to the park? And no problem. Uh, tickets were easy to obtain. Um, it was weird being in that park with so few people and you could hear everything. A and maybe part of it for me is not too far in my rear view mirror, uh, were some uber competitive tiger baseball teams. And we can, I'll sit back and debate, you know, whether they should have won. The one that sticks out to me personally was 2013. That's the one that hurts the most uh, when they lost the Red Sox. But you were just used to that place being packed. It was very, very eerie being in there with so many, um, so few fans. Really was. Yeah, I went to a game earlier this year and it was eerie, but it was also kind of nice. You get, I mean, you had your own practically row and, an area to yourself, but yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing fans back there, hearing the roar of the crowd. I mean, you can only imagine what the crowds would have been like if Spencer Turnbull's no hitter was at home or Miguel Cabrera's uh, grand slam the other day was in front of a home packed crowd. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, no doubt about that. We'll talk about just that when we come back hit on the tigers as well. Don't you go anywhere. Sean Belegian sitting in it's sports wrap here on 760 WJR. Well, for the puckheads out there, the Canes and the Preds are headed to a double overtime. So uh, we'll keep you abreast of what's going on there in game four of that series. Uh, rooting for Carolina for a 
couple of different reasons, but uh, the young goaltender they decided to go with during the playoff is a guy with ties to this area, played for the Plymouth Whalers of the Ontario Hockey League. Just a great guy, Alex Nedeljkovic, so rooting for him uh, from afar. Uh, Tigers again, in case you missed it. I don't know how you did. Tigers lose to the Royals today, but to me the news is uh, full capacity for Comerica Park in 2021, starting on June 8th. Nick, uh, you said you had already been to a game. I had already been to a game. Uh, when I heard the news, I immediately ordered tickets for two more games. I have some buddies coming into town, uh, picked up some tickets for them, and uh, picked up uh, some tickets for the family to go to a game as well. Listen, I'm not going to blow smoke about where the Tigers are at. They This, this isn't going well. Uh, I, I know there are some pe- people in town that, for whatever reason, they, they can't bring themselves to say that, but this quote-unquote rebuild isn't going well. Even with them playing better uh, in the past couple of weeks, and give credit to where credit is due, uh, they're still one of the worst teams in baseball. As a matter of fact, as we sit here at this very moment, uh, there are only three teams in the majors with a worse winning percentage than the Detroit Tigers. That has never mattered to me. Now, hear me out. Of course I want them to win. Of course I want them to win a World Series. When I was younger, I got sick and tired of hearing about stories from 1968. I knew everything about the 68 Tigers. I wasn't born in 1968. Uh, But year after year that the Tigers did not win, people talked about 68. So when 1984 came, that was my 1968. Conversely, If you talk to my almost 22-year-old son, he's sick and tired about hearing about the 84 Tigers, as I'm sure so many other people are. Nick Roddy is probably one of them. He hasn't had his 1984 Tigers. Uh, Came close a few times. Obviously, the 06 uh, World Series loss to the Cardinals, the 2012 World Series loss to the Giants. I really personally think the one that got away was 2013. That, That team was just absolutely loaded. So... When I say it doesn't matter to me, I hope that you're taking that in the context in which I'm saying it. Of course, I want them to win, but it doesn't deter me from going down to the park. I love going down to the park. I love going down with a group of friends. I'm literally going to bug our own Steve Courtney and Nick Roddy at some point in time in the summer and say, hi, friends. It's been a long time since we hung out. Is there a chance we can go see a game? And hopefully we can all go see a game down there. But that's not the reason that I go down there. Um, We got our tickets when the Tigers stunk, and there wasn't a heck of a lot to root for, and we had a blast, and it's too bad we never got the payoff. But that's not going to preclude me from going down there. And if you've seen some of the crowds over the years, especially you get that beautiful Saturday afternoon, you know, maybe a 4.15 start or whatever, it doesn't detour many others from going down there as well. Um The interesting thing, though, coming out of COVID is, you know, are people going to be squirrely about heading down there? Are are, are people going to be anxious about it? Are are, are people going to be worried about other people that just, you know, say, well, I'm not wearing my mask. And, you know, you don't know if that person's vaccinated, that person's vaccinated. Or have you already moved on with your life? I think one man's opinion, I think a lot of people are looking forward to getting back to whatever we called normalcy. Um, now over a year ago. And I have a feeling that the crowds are going to be pretty good, at least on the weekend. The one thing that I figured out when 
we had season tickets with the Tigers, it, it, especially when they weren't playing well. Uh, the crowds during the week stunk. I mean, there were some just terrible crowds. You know, you get that Tuesday night game, that Wednesday night game, maybe the Thursday matinee. Uh, but people come out on the weekends. People come out on a Friday. People come out for that, you know, 4-10 start on, on a Saturday afternoon. And, yes, they come out for that 1-10 start on, on Sunday, the the kids run the bases. I participated in that a few times, Uh, but that doesn't mean that there aren't some reasons to root right now. It's unfortunate because as crazy as it sounds with the um, repeated banging of the drum of hashtag Detroit roots, the last couple of years uh, to the point where it's, it's almost become a, a gag with a lot of people out there. Let's be honest because these young players that we've heard so much about the last five years, right? And you know their names. Uh, we're not seeing many of them. Uh, they've grown to mythical proportion. Uh, we've heard of three different catchers of the future. Uh, Daz Cameron, remember that guy? Uh, that was a guy that was supposed to be up with the Tigers two years ago. One guy who is getting it done right now, and Nick, I don't know about you. I just don't think enough is being said about it, quite frankly. It's Casey Mize. Casey Mize is dealing. He had another one today. Yes, he is dealing right now. And, you know, this we have to have this guy work. We, I mean, this is a must, okay? Now, I, I'm going to say this, and, you know, this is one of those things that if you've listened to me over the past couple of years, I don't have a lot of faith and trust in Al Avila right now. I haven't for years. Um, I think when he could spend, uh, he didn't spend it wisely. Lest we forget who gave that big contract up to Jordan Zimmerman, uh, to Mike Pelfrey, to Lowe, to Upton. And when you take a look at some of the trades that he's made, I mean, what do the Tigers have to show in return for it? You, you trade away arguably the best pitcher of his generation in Justin Verlander, and you don't have anything to show for it. J.D. Martinez, don't have anything to show for it. You know, unfortunately, the returns have not been there and has not helped this rebuild, okay? Because it was time. I think we can all admit it was time. Could Al have done a better job with this? 1,000%. It starts with getting a good return on some of these players. But that's the problem with prospects. It's always been the problem. Think about all these can't-miss prospects that, that the Tigers gave up. In years gone by, I remember when they were uh, busy collecting central division titles, some of these trades that came down the pipeline, we can't give up Casper Wells. How'd that turn out? Right. (laughs) We can't, we can't, what what, what was what Jacob Turner? Oh my, we're giving up a power arm. What are, what Cameron Mabin, uh, who was, uh, Yeah, I mean, there there were so many moments like that where, and these guys went the way of the dodo bird and, and nothing ever became of them. So I, I think this is what we're dealing with with the Tigers right now. You have to hope that in particular these high draft choices develop and it might take a few years. I mean, Casey Mize is, yeah, yeah it's he's 24. I mean, in a perfect world, we would have seen him a couple of years ago, but that's not the way that it worked out. And Hopefully Spencer Torkelson will be able to see him very soon. But this is a situation right now where, look, let's be brutally honest. 
and that's what we do here uh, on Sports Rap. I'm not going to blow any smoke and say this is going according to plan. Don't worry, Al's got this. No, I've got major concerns. But that doesn't take away from the fact I love going down to Comerica Park. It's a beautiful park. Just a not like going to a game, whether, as I mentioned, you're with your friends, uh, my son, Nick, it was great. Um, it was our first game since he's turned 21. So walking up to a concession stand and buying a beer for my son. Did he buy one? For, he should buy one for you. He did. Second round, he bought okay. for me. Of course, then afterwards, he said, Dad, you got 25 bucks? And I was yeah. like, of course I do. <laughs> Uh, yeah, because as you know, they didn't have, you have to pay with your card there. They, it was, it was all cashless yeah, transactions. The first time I, I went up with, uh, some cash and they're like, ah, we, we don't take cash right now. Yeah. So well, he we'll put see. it on his card and promptly asked for money from me. <laughs> Smart kid. Any games in particular that you bought the tickets for? Any teams you're looking forward to seeing come, come to Comerica Park? I know we're going, we're going to the Astros series. Um, that that's one. And we're going to see, uh, the Cardinals just a few days beforehand. Uh, the Cardinals are coming in for two. Um, that is, boy, if you give me a second, I'll tell you, I think June 22nd, I think June 22nd, we're going to the game. And then, uh, June 26th, we're going to the game. So, um, one time with my family, the other time with my buddies. So yeah, as, as the summer goes on, Nick, that's look, that's what we do around here. No doubt about it. Want to talk some Stanley cup playoffs when we come back. So glad you could join us. Don't forget. Unfortunately for you, you get a double dose of me tonight. Uh, we've got Spin on Golf coming up at 7 o'clock as well. So glad you could join us at Sports Wrap on a Sunday night right here on 760 WJR. All right, I have to continue a conversation that we had during the break, and uh, this, this is very quickly. Um, if, if you listen to this station at all, you know uh, I love, love to barbecue absolutely positively love to barbecue. And I have, I was telling uh, my buddy, my pal, our producer, Nick Roddy, uh, that uh, I have two smokers now, not one. I have two. I have a pellet smoker and a uh, wood chip smoker and they're used for different things. And you said, Nick, you said, how long does it take? I don't have time for that. I'm not a very good planner. How dare you? Like, okay, it's like four o'clock and I'm thinking, okay, what am I going to have for dinner? If I had a smoker, I have to figure out what I'm having for dinner like two days from now to get it ready. (laughs) Well, it depends what you're doing. Yeah. If I wanted to go out and grill a couple hot dogs, I either fire up some charcoal or turn on the grill. Truth. Put on a hot dog and I have a hot dog or a, a sausage like 20 minutes later. Hot dog is so incredibly underrated, by the way. Let's, How let's, long let's would that take in a smoker? If I'm if I'm doing like today, I'm going to give you an example. I did some uh, big Amish wings for my wife and my daughter, and they like um, this garlic and herb rub on it. And I, I use, of course, a, a Cajun rub. Uh, it took about two hours and 10 minutes. It was about two hours and 10 minutes. Okay. If I want to do a rack of ribs... It, you're you're looking at four hours, usually right around four hours. But you're absolutely right. If I do a pulled pork, uh, a Boston butt, and I, I don't like to cover. I like the bark on there. I want that bark on there. It is, I've got it down to a science now. I've done so many, and it's trial and error. It's 16 hours. You also it's, need like, okay, you have two smokers. You also probably need like four refrigerators for all your, the meat you're going to smoke throughout the week, and then all the leftovers you have. I don't have that inventory. You're talking about my basement. You've been over my house, my friend. I, I do. I literally have I, I have a freezer downstairs that's 
kind of full of some meats and everything. And um, no, I, I enjoy it. it. It's just, you know what? It's peaceful. And a lot of times you can just sit in the back. Now, to your point, um, I did a, a prime brisket for Christmas Eve. We have the big Christmas Eve party at my house. It was 17 hours. And that's, you know, you're, yeah, that's insane. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm not going to lie, but I'll tell you what, it's all We're worth it. Thanksgiving, it's ready by Christmas. Well, yeah. by the way, the, the smoked turkey is unbelievable. The Cajun <laughs> smoked turkey is unbelievable. That doesn't take that long, but no, it's 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 a lot of fun. I mean, that that's something, I'll, I'll give you an example. Uh, here's a cheesy radio segue. Uh, during the Stanley Cup playoffs, I, I think ahead, and okay, what, what am I going to have when the games come on? you know, today, for example, and all right, I'm going to do some wings. And so about 10 o'clock this morning, I, I, you know, got them all together, put the rub on there, let them sit out for a while and and then put it on the smoker. And so I, I've been doing that pretty much every day since the Stanley cup playoffs started, the playoffs have been uh, outstanding. I, I'm telling you what, and Darren McCarty and I talked about this on, on Friday night on the Darren McCarty show, uh, every Friday, by the way, 7 to 8 here on 760 WJR. Uh, Nick, I don't know if you saw this game last Sunday, but um, Tampa, Florida, game one was one of the best hockey games I've seen in years. And that is not an overstatement. Years. It had a little bit of everything. And with the amount of overtimes going on right now and – Normally, Nick, you know me, normally I would have a TV on somewhere in my general vicinity, kind of watching uh, Carolina and Nashville right now. As as far as I know, they're still in double overtime, but I know I'm working with you, so I wanted to keep my focus because you know how, uh, ooh, look, a cloud. And the next thing I know, I'm on the air watching the game. So I, I purposely didn't leave. Uh, my TV on for that, but have you been dialed in? I, I know there's no, um, you know, there's, there's no Detroit Red Wings or probably won't be for a couple of years. Now, unlike Alavila, I have full faith in what Steve Eiserman's doing because you, you saw him do it before and you can, you can get a look right now in the distance of, of where this is going to be. And I firmly believe they're going to be an uber competitive team in a couple of years, but have you been dialed into this at all, Nick? Uh, not quite. Uh, I will. I've been more dialed into NBA playoffs so far. I really like the play in tournament they had. I was going to ask you about that. It's funny yeah, you say that. I did. I watched more of that than, than the NHL so far, but Chris and I talked about this yesterday. So you talked about the Iser plan. What did you think of his decision to bring back Jeff Blaschel? Um, I'm a firm believer, Nick, that in, in the National Hockey League, talent wins. And the Detroit Red Wings don't have the talent right now. Um, I, I think it's an indictment on Coach Blaschel. And and look, I, point blank, I like Jeff. I, I like him personally. Um, so let me get that out there. I, I, I think it's in no way, shape, or form an indictment on Jeff Blaschel that the Red Wings haven't been winning. They, they don't have a roster that's going to win at this level. Not yet. My guess, and this is 1,000% a guess, is in a couple of years' time, uh, when it's time for this team to take a step up, that there'll be a coaching change. Um, you have at least at least a couple more years of, of you know, struggling. Um I think five years is is about what you're looking at. And you have to remember the Red Wings didn't have a whole heck of a lot in, in their system as it is. The cupboards were pretty bare. Um, 
if you're a name coach, and a lot of people have thrown Gerard Gallant's name out there, why would you want to come to a place where you know the next couple of years the team's going to struggle? And, and they are. They're going. This yeah. is going to be two more years. And I always go back to the day that Steve Eiserman was hired. And Nick, you've probably heard me say this a thousand times in my life. If you really take the time to listen to what our coach or general manager is saying, if you really take the time, they'll give you the answer that you're looking for. It might not be the answer that you want to hear, but they'll give you the answer that you're looking for just the same. And Steve Eiserman said, look, guys, this this is going to take a while. You know, this isn't the light at the end of the tunnel. You know, we're, we're, we're going to struggle, but we don't want to get to the point where we, hey, golly gee, we just snuck into the playoffs like the Montreal Canadiens are. You know, we want to get to the point where we are competing in a year-in, year-out basis. And I think if you look at his model, at what happened with Tampa, they took their lumps early on. They had one kind of crazy year where they made a run, and then they took some lumps. And, and really, for the last six years, they've been in it with anybody in the East. I, I mean, truth be told. So I think that's the point that he's trying to, to get to. So I don't think there's a reason to get rid of Coach Blash right now. I, I just don't. Um, it is an indictment on him that who can you look at on the roster and say, wow, this guy's really gone next level. This yeah, guy has developed. This guy, yeah. boy, he's really helped this guy out. That is an indictment. There's no question about that. But right now, to me, Nick, they're they're not they're not ready to compete. They're just yeah, not that was, ready to that was my follow-up to you, though. They're not ready to compete. And and like you said, who is their who's gonna be the guy for the Red Wings going for? I mean when when Eisman was there, it was Stamkos, and then they had Tyler Johnson and Victor Hedman. I'm not seeing a whole lot right now. I mean, Dylan Larkin had a he had a little bit of a step back this year. Uh, Bertuzzi got hurt. Uh, Verano was a nice pickup, but do they have that talent? I think they have a couple. I Nick, you've heard me say this more times than you can shake a stick at, and and I'm going to say it again. And uh, for that. You know, to that point, our our good buddy, our pal, uh, Eric Dorch, I've had this conversation with him as well. And I think more people believe this now. Dylan Larkin is a good player. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. And I, I, I was telling people that a couple years ago. We have this incredible tendency in this town to overrate our own. And I think people wanted to put Dylan Larkin on a superstar pedestal. I don't think that's ever going to be his game. And, and when people hear that, they take it almost as a negative. And it's like, no, I want Dylan Larkin. I, you, a team needs a Dylan Larkin. A team needs a, a guy that's good in the room and, and, and is a darn good player. That is not a knock against him. It's just it's it's shooting it's shooting absolutely positively straight. Uh, I love Mo Sider. I really, I, I really love Mo Sider. I, I think that is a guy um, that is perfect for the National Hockey League. Now, to get really geeky, you know, you could have you could have had that guy in in Quinn Hughes and you know, I got a chance to see Quinn Hughes a lot in um in junior and I I thought that he was going to I thought that he was going to uh be as good as he's been in the National Hockey League and that's what we've seen. But I I, th I think you've got a, a solid forward that's that's going to be here sooner rather than later. You got a solid defenseman that's going to be here sooner rather than later and they're going to be okay, but you're absolutely right. Look, it, it helped when you walk into a situation and you have a young Victor Hedman and you're able to uh, get a Steven Stamkos out of Sarnia. I think the, I think it's coming. 
the reserves are coming. Uh, look, we need to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll revisit what's going on down in South Carolina. At last check, Phil is up by three. Come on, Phil. Come on, lefty. You're listening to Sports Wrap here on 760 WJR. Well, we've got a final down in Nashville. Uh, former US NTDP player right in our backyard at the time. They were in Ann Arbor. Now, of course, they're in Plymouth at USA Hockey Arena. Luke Cunin uh, scores to beat the Carolina Hurricanes double overtime to His tie second of the day. at two apiece. What's that? His second of the game. Yeah. For the first goal. Two uh, two guys. Uh, the goaltender, of course, played in that building when it was CompuWare Sports Arena. And uh, uh, Cunin played for the NTDP, but that was uh, out at the Cube in Ann Arbor. Uh, my buddy Jordan gave me a little bit of a hassle saying the Leafs spotted the Habs one. I'll take 1-1 one, one after two. Are you kidding me? All day. All day. So it'll be interesting to see what happens in that series. Uh, scary moment the other night. I, I'm sure you guys saw it. Uh, John Tavares. Uh, just, just a downright frightening. Uh, taking a knee to the head from Corey Perry and uh, it, it, Nick, I don't know if you saw it when when John tried to get up and how he kind of just fell backwards and everything. You just you just cringe. There's nothing funny about brain it's injuries. To watch, yeah, yeah, it's just it's just tough to watch. So uh, we'll we'll keep an eye on that series. Uh, game three back in Montreal tomorrow. Game four in Montreal as well on Tuesday. Uh, They're going back-to-back in that series. Leafs should win that series. My goodness gracious. But uh, I'll tell you what, Carey Price was outstanding. I've jokingly called him Nick Carey thrice because his propensity to give up three goals a game. Uh, (laughs) But he was was outstanding in game one. I've enjoyed these playoffs. Uh, I love the overtimes. Uh, There's no doubt about that. But um, we'll see what happens. What jumps out to you about the NBA? Because you mentioned... You like the play-in game. I like it. Uh, much like the NBA last year, they they kind of fiddled with something and said, eh, we might keep it. Uh, there's some rumors that the NHL might go back to divisional play in the playoffs, which would make me happy because I grew up in an era with the Patrick division and the Smythe division and the Norris division and the Adams division. It, I, I, divisional playoffs were outstanding. Uh, this play-in game, I think a lot of people kind of thought it was a gimmick last year because of, obviously, the effects of COVID. But seems most people that I talk to, Nick, feel the way that you do, that it's it's a pretty cool thing. Yeah, it's like an additional game seven. I mean, it's it's all or nothing for, depending on the seed. So if the seventh seed, if they won, they're in. But I was kind of surprised at the Warriors going down to the Grizzlies. I mean, a couple former Spartans, Jaron Jackson and Xavier Tillman, playing well for the Grizzlies, taking down the Warriors. It was just thrilling basketball. I thought it was high intensity. It was competitive. I don't really. When I watched that, no, I'm with you. When I watched that Friday night, like when when they went on that tear, Golden State went on that tear late to tie it, and Steph went off. I thought, okay, you think things are right, but give give credit to to the Grizz for pulling that out. I mean, not only did they pull it out, but they they pulled it out kind of going away. It was a good watch. I, I was watching that Friday night. It was a good watch. Yeah, definitely. So about a weekend in the NHL playoffs, has your pick changed at all? No. I, I I thought Colorado and Tampa 
uh, from the start. I, I'll say this. I, I think Tampa's going to win back-to-back. I had originally thought that um, Colorado was, was going to win, but getting Kucherov back is such a massive factor for the Lightning. Um, I just, you know, and, and, and again, boy, I'll tell you what, you know, a guy that's taken, what, 58th overall? Those, those are the kind of those are the kind of moves that you have to make to, to have some long-term success. So uh, that looks good on Steve Iserman as well. Phil looking good right now as we uh, wind it down in South Carolina. These guys have been keeping an eye on it. It's fascinating to hear these guys chat about what's going on because Nick, uh, Captain Obvious here, they watch the game a little bit differently than we do. And uh, I know one guy in particular knows that course very well from playing there, but let's bring him in. Uh, Spin on golf uh, coming up next here on 760 WJR and out at the beautiful DGC, the Detroit Golf Club, Jordan, BC, and Mike Fay. What's up, fellas? Hi, guys. What's happening? Oh, Sean. <laughs> Clean shaven again. I didn't even recognize him. How you doing, fellas? You all right? Good. Good. We're watching the Phil here. He's on 17. He's got a three-shot lead, and he's got about a two-and-a-half-footer to keep uh, a two-shot lead. Two-shot lead, yeah. He uh, over the green in the deep grass and whacked it out. Two-putt, no problem. In the hole. So he's two-shot lead going to the last hole. I still can't believe that he is. Uh, he could get this done. I, and, I'm loving, and I'm loving it. Yeah, I'm loving it. I like Phil. Phil's a good guy. I'm loving it. BC, so, uh, you, were, you were saying about – 25 minutes ago, full disclosure, you you were looking at 17 as being the, the key hole and, and, and a potential hurdle. Can you explain to people why 17 in particular is so difficult? There's kind of nowhere to hit it. I, you know, advantage Bill because he knew he could hit all over the green and, and still hit his ball. Uh, it's kind of a you're hitting an acute angle to a to a green that runs left to right and, and the wind's blowing right to left off the ocean. And Phil, obviously, being a lefty, you know, as long as he didn't tweak it or pull it, no problem. So he hit all over the green in some long grass, and he actually drew a fairly good lie where he could advance it. It's just a good par four. Right. It's a really good par well, four. Well, we, we watched Bruce uh, uh, Kepka hit it 131 feet and couldn't hold the green. Yep. You can't hold the green. Going over the green. Yep. Mm. You can't hold it. It's- Guys, let me ask you this, because uh, the, the the tour has changed so much in the past. I mean, let's go back to 86 to Jack, okay? Guys are really taking care of themselves now. I mean, you look at the tour. Guys are in great shape. They're taking care of themselves. Should we be that surprised that Tiger Woods did what he did last year at his age or Phil is doing what he's doing at his age? Should we be that surprised? No, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump in here. I mean, there's certain moments and, you know, guys are taking better care of their bodies and stuff like that. But there's certain moments that I remember when I watch golf and I only watch golf when there's some big events. Jack in 86 mm-hmm. making that putt, you know, uh, Tiger, of course, the Masters a few years ago and Tiger and a few other Masters. Uh, and and there's others. But this one here is going to be huge. Phil, I think it's his 113th major. And if he's he's 50 years old, he's going to be the oldest to ever win a major. Now I'm not saying he's win he's going to win it, but he's a two shot lead going to the last hole. This is a big big statement and going head to head against Brooks. This is this is history right here. Yeah, you've got a Tom Watson who almost won the British Open, lost in the playoff. Yeah, Stewart sink, but Tom Watson kept himself in phenomenal shape too. Absolutely. I mean, he was he was ahead of the curve there. Longer. 
Bernhard. Yeah, Bernhard, the same years. thing. He's made the cut at Augusta the last whatever, how many years. But there's no doubt these guys should thank Tiger for tugging him along and saying, hey, things are different now, boys. Kepka just blew it over the right bunkers on 18, <laughs> flew it about 350. Oh, my God. Yeah, missed I, the fairway by a foot, though. I want to get back to something, I want to get back to something that you said, BC, because it, it, it's funny. I, I brought this up to Nick earlier in, in our show here on 760 WJR. I'm used to watching you, – you use the example of Tom Watson. Tom was always flirting, it seemed. Well, after, you know, he – quote unquote, his, his, his prime was done, but you know, there he was on a Friday afternoon or even into a Saturday. And and you've seen that a few times. Some of these guys, the 50 somethings, they're going to fade. Phil didn't fade. You know, if anything, Phil got stronger. And I think that's the difference between then and now, and maybe we're going to see a bit more of this. I, I, well, the particular golf course certainly lends it to Phil's style. He, he can definitely lay it out there, you know, and have some room to move the ball with comfort. And, you know, to his advantage, he survived 12, you know, 6 through 12. He played 6 through 12 back into, you know, a 15, 18 mile an hour win, and he played him uh, just about even par. And then he turned the corner and he had everything downwind. And you give Phil downwind and some energy. Mm-hmm. I mean, Phil's just going to sit back and just rip this tee shot. Oh, he's going to hit a little bit left, but he should yeah. be okay. Which he he should hit it left to shot. The fairway, no Great problem. stuff. Well, well, we will have a more conversation coming up in the seven o'clock hour with the spin on golf guys. Once again, they are out at the Detroit Golf Club. Mike Fay, uh, BC Jordan Young, a couple special guests. That's what we do on Spin on Golf. It's crazy. Uh, we're not all that far away from on the Fourth of July. We'll all be out there, and we'll be. Uh, celebrating a new champion, maybe, of the Rocket Mortgage Classic. The first champion, we're going to be joined by him, as a matter of fact, coming up in the next hour with Nate Lashley. Nick Roddy, always a pleasure to chat with you, my friend. Thank you for everything that you do. And let's go to a Tiger game soon, huh? Sure, I'm in. I'll buy you a beer. Deal? Deal. (laughs) All right. Eric Dorch, thank you as well. Don't you go anywhere. Spin on Golf is next. Uh, Phil, Looking to make history, it would be his sixth major, the oldest to win a major in his 45th tour victory. Can he pull it out? We'll be talking about it next. Don't you go anywhere. Spin on golf next here on 760 WJR.